0: Welcome, folks. Welcome back to Halitech Hall. This is uh, episode number two, and Double uh, A is here, and of course, Michael Halitech. Uh, and we are very excited to keep going with the Bears 100 list. Uh, we did leave off at Robbie Gold, uh, but before we get to that, good morning, uh, Michael Halitech. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, Double A. Good morning. It's great to be on the radio. Seems like it's radio. Well, while we're talking, I know it's a podcast, but uh, uh, this has been. Uh, quite a learning experience for me. I'm sure you've been doing this a while now, so it's kind of old hat to you. But we're going to learn as we go along. Uh, every week, we'll get a little bit better. And uh, I want to thank you for producing this uh, this show. And I want to uh, shout out to uh, our sponsor, ticksplits.com who is graciously sponsoring. Uh, all the podcasts on the network. So uh, every ticket, every venue, everywhere, TickSplits.com, no service fees. So uh, think StubHub without service fees, and you've got splits in a nutshell. So uh, let's get started
0: yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, learning, and we we're here for that. So this is what's great about this show is uh, we we're uh, we're trying to offer the uh, opportunity for Bears fans to learn more about their team. So we're gonna just keep on rolling with this list. Uh, and with that being said, jump right into it, sir.
1: We left off with Robbie gold at sixty two. so I'm gonna kind of detail the the next ten on the list and then just highlight a couple things about each player. Number 61, Willie Gallimore. Number 60, everybody knows Khalil Mack. Julius Peppers came in at 59. Wally Chambers was the offensive lineman, along with Jim Osborne, who's 57, back in the 70s. Rosie Taylor was a safety for the Bears on their championship team in the 60s. Quarterback Johnny Lujak, Ed Brown, and Jim McMahon are 53, 54, and 55, respectively. Uh, An offensive lineman from the uh, 34 championship team, Joe Kopka, uh, is at 52. And at 51 is Keith Van Horn. Uh, So Aaron, Willie Gallimore, uh, one of the better running backs and probably least known of the greatest running backs in Bears history. He was fast. He was probably faster than Sayers. Uh, He was part of the 1963 championship team. Uh, Hallis liked to use running back by committee in the 60s, uh, and unfortunately, Willie Galmore's life was cut short going to summer camp in Rensselaer, Indiana. Prior to the 64 season, he was involved with, in a car accident with a, with Bo Farrington, and both were tragically killed. Uh, fast and agile RB, uh, loved to see him play, uh, even though I was only six years old during the championship season of 63, I still remember highlights of his running. Khalil Mack, let's talk about him for a little bit. Many would, would argue that he should be higher on the list, but of course, he's only been with the team one year. But I can tell you that if he stays healthy, he could become legendary in the footsteps of Bill George, Dick Butkus, and Brian Erlacher, who we'll all talk about in this list today. Yeah. I
0: mean, I I think Mac is great. I gotta be honest though. I feel like some of these guys that haven't played very long for the team, I I'm, I'm kind of puzzled as to why they are on the list. I mean, I know that they've obviously done great things in a short period of time, I I suppose, but I mean, you know, Mac has only played 14 games for the bears. Um, and obviously we saw, um, you know, uh, Eddie Jackson and, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks on the list and, and so forth. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I know, I, I guess I understand why he's on the list, but it's almost like they're putting him on, on spec. Um, you know, and certainly he, he uh, you know, we would hope as bears fans, he's going to be moving up the list, but, um, it, it's, it's a little odd. Uh, some of the guys they put on the list, you know, uh, are, are, have played such a long time ago. And then they've sort of peppered in these guys that are currently playing. And, and I don't know, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously Khalil Mack is, is, is good, is great, is going to be great. Um, but should he be in this position? I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say.
1: Hopefully the, uh, the rest of his career with the bears will, will, uh, pan out. And he'll be, he'll be in the top 10 by, by the time this is all said and done. Julius Peppers is next. He was only with the team a few years, uh, from 20, uh, what 2010 to 2013. Mm -hmm. So again, there's another guy who's, I think, overall reputation in the league earned him a spot on this list as one of the greatest players to play for the bears, but not one of the greatest bears players. Willie Chambers and Jim Osborne were teammates along the defensive line in the, in the seventies. They were, they were around when, when Walter Payton was, was drafted. So there's a lot of listeners on this podcast who aside from Walter Payton don't know who those guys were and good place for these guys on the list. Rosie Taylor at number 56 was the starting safety on the 63 championship team. <coughs> (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, He he led the 63 team with nine interceptions. Uh, He never missed a game in his nine nine seasons with the Bears. At 55, Johnny Lujak, he only played for the Bears for four years at QB. And actually, he was better known for his career at Notre Dame than he was with, with the Bears. One thing to note about Lujak at 94 years old, he is the oldest surviving Heisman Trophy winner. So hats off to to Johnny Luja. Ed Brown was a QB on the team. He played for eight years. he, he started in the fifth, he started as the Bears quarterback for six fifty-six times. Uh, he was actually the quarterback of the Bears the year this guy was born. So a uh, little hats off to Ed Brown. At 53 we'll we'll spend a little time on this one. Jim McMahon. He's the last Bears Quarterback to win an NFL championship at Super Bowl XX. Uh, he was a master field general. He, he led the team and the offense in the 80s, including that magical run in Super Bowl 85. He played from the Bears from 82 to 88, missed a lot of time. Uh, he missed time in 84. He missed a couple games in 85. He missed some time during the last two years of his career after he got slammed to the turf by a Packer to be never named on this show. Um, Jimmy Mack at 53, probably a good po- spot for uh, for the punky QB. What do you think, A.A.?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, he's uh, a-, a guy that, um, you know, really took over uh, the – the the media landscape, um, you know, along with Peyton, but his personality and, and the way that he was advertised, you know, during the 85, 86 um, years uh, was really like nothing we'd ever seen before, nothing I'd ever seen. I was born in 77, so I was in um, elementary school and, you know, it it was, uh, Jim McMahon everywhere. And this was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it wasn't, you know, uh, it was everywhere. He was everywhere. You know, the posters were everywhere. Kids were coming to school with headbands on. Um, and you know, that's really, you know, between him and, and, uh, you know, the other characters of that 85 team, that's where a lot of the bears nation, uh, fan base was born. Um, you know, and, and I would say only maybe Joe Namath, um, you know, a couple other guys ever kind of, you know, had the, the sort of, uh, magnetism and, and personality, you know, and, uh, kind of media, uh, savvy, um, that he did, you know, and he was really a, a larger than life personality. And, you know, uh, I think his play on the field, was, uh, was exactly what they needed from him. You know, he was never given the opportunity to throw the ball, you know, uh, in a prolific way or anything, but, you know, he certainly was a guy that was not going to lose you the game. And, and, you know, he, he definitely won them, uh, more than a handful of games, uh, you know, super tough guy. Um, you know, the kind of, uh, quarterback, uh, that bears fans can, could easily embrace, um, and, uh, you know, he's still around and, uh, he's, he's been, uh, um, you know, uh, active with the organization. Um, and I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the panel with him and Mitch, uh, at the bears 100. So yeah, I mean, a, a good spot for him. I could even, I could even have seen him being higher and I would have been okay with it, um, on the list. Uh, but certainly his stats and, and I think one of the things that, uh, it seems that Pompey, um, uh, did with this list was it it's similar to the Hall of Fame where you sort of consider what they were in their time period. so where they ranked uh, amongst their peers seems to have been a have to had to have been a factor in determining this list. Um, you know so you know if you look at that, I mean amongst the quarterbacks of his era, he certainly wasn't uh, the top in any statistical categories or anything like that. but You know, I mean, everybody associated with the 85 team, uh, you know, on some level could could maybe end up on this list. Um, So, yeah, Jimmy Mack, you know, a one of a kind.
1: You're going to see, I think, every single lineman from the 85 team on this list. Um, And also Pompey and Pearson did a good job, including a lot of guys from the 40s. In the 40s, they won four championships, one of the, the best championship decades what well, was the best championship decade at least for the bears yeah. uh but you know the, the green bay won five in the 60s and you know you had the steel curtain that won uh, all of their super bowls right. the sad part is the bears biggest and best time uh in the nfl was in the 40s in its pre-super bowl era so a lot of that goes by the wayside and bear fans of today's generation don't really know much about that team, but we'll get into more about some of those uh, guys from the thirties and forties, because they're coming up on this list as well uh, at 53, Joe Kopka. I think it's Kopka. It might be Kopcha. Don't know. He was an offensive lineman for the 34 championship team. He played five seasons with the bears be from the late twenties through 1935. He missed 30 and 31 one thing about Joe was he, he tinkered with equipment, and his ideas in his playing career helped redesign shoulder pads, and his basic designs are still in use in shoulder pad production today, so hats off to Mr. Joe. At 51, Keith Van Horn is another offensive lineman from the Super Bowl era. He played his entire career in Chicago, starting 169 games during his 13 years with the season including all 16 in the uh, the Super Bowl year. The next 10, Mark Bortz, another 85 offensive lineman, Ray Bray, an old lineman for the Bears teams in the 40s, uh, Dave Duerson, uh, you're going to have to help me on 48, Aaron. I'm sure you got your list. Fred Fred Williams. Yep. Fred Fred Williams. Uh, I put down his stats, and I forgot to put his name down on my notes, so I apologize, everybody. That's all right. Yep. Uh, at 47, Dave Dewarson. We'll spend a little time on him. Doug Buffon, uh, one of the best linebackers to never win a championship with, uh, with this team, came in right at the – Wrong time, so we'll talk a little bit about him. Otis Wilson, Johnny Morris at 44. Uh, We'll spend some time with him. Wilbur Marshall. Wilbur Marshall is not only famous for his playing time in Chicago, but he is more or less the Kurt Flood of the NFL. So for people that don't know who Kurt Flood is, Kurt Flood is singularly responsible for free agency in the in Major League Baseball. And oh, and Wilbur Marshall was the first player in over 11 years to be signed away from his current team by another team. So uh, hats off to Wilbur Marshall for being the father of what is now free agency in, in the NFL. Richie Pettibon was a safety in the 60s. Neil Anderson, the heir apparent to Walter Payton, and then Ken Kavanaugh at number 40. So let's go back to where we started. Uh, Mark Fortz, starting on guard off opposite Tom Thayer in Super Bowl XX. He is another one of our Bears linemen in the 80s that played his entire career with the Bears. Ray Bray was an offensive lineman for the team in the 40s. Again, hats off to, to Pearson and Pompeii to talk about the, the 40s teams, which we four championships out of five appearances in the championship title games. So great to see him there. Uh, Fred Williams, again, he was on the team from 52 to 63. Of course, uh, he was uh, on the 63 championship team and a four-time pro bowler. So that's why he is where he is on the list. Dave Duerson played seven seasons with the Bears. Um, I don't know if maybe this is just a hats off to, to Double D from from Pearson and Pompey. Um, he was a safety, you know, and I can't recall him being an exceptional safety. But uh, he made news later in life when he was suffering from the effects of the this, this brain problem called CTE, and he ended up taking his own life, Uh, he shot himself, but he didn't shoot himself in the head. He actually shot himself in the chest and left a note saying, please donate my brain to science. And after uh, they did their their medical examination, found that he was indeed suffering from CTE. CTE. Your thoughts, Double A? Yeah, I mean, Dave
0: Dewarson is somebody that I have heard uh, a few people um, take – issue with his being so high on this list. And I think I definitely agree with you that, uh, you know, they're sort of giving a nod to perhaps his historical, uh, place and, and, you know, perhaps his, his death played a role in, in their thinking, um, because, um, you know, uh, I heard people talk about, you know, well, if if Todd Bell wasn't hurt, maybe he wouldn't even um, have played much. And uh, he was just kind of, a, you know, probably the the least uh, dominant type of person who was on the great defenses and and so on and so forth. But, I mean, it, fact of the matter is, is that, as we've mentioned, everybody associated with that 85 team, they get a lot of clout. So, you know, it is it is what it is, um, you know, and and I think obviously a tragic death and and he, uh, um, you know, had the foresight or, um, you know, to use his death uh, to to maybe bring some change, um, you know. And um, so, you know, again, hats off to him, um, his family and so on and so forth. He certainly, um, you know, holds a place in Bears history uh, even now.
1: If I were to ask you, double A, without looking, mm-hmm. what Bears linebacker has the all-time record for interceptions as a linebacker for in Bears history, who would you guess? Erlacher. Doug Buffon. Wow. Doug Buffone. He started every game from 1967 to 1975. Wow. He leads the team with 24 interceptions as a linebacker and probably one of his biggest achievements. He was the last roster player on bears teams that was coached by George Halas. Wow. Interesting thing. He played all the way through 19. I believe it was 1979 was his last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a rugged guy. Most of the, the current uh, bear fans that are, yeah, in their 30s, they're younger. No, Doug, probably only from his radio show on right. post post games with uh, with Ed Obradovich. Uh, smart guy. Uh, he was a, He was a great linebacker. He was a great teammate. It's great to see him on this list, and he's probably placed right where he should be. Otis Wilson is next up at 45. Again, he was part of the feared 46 defense that just dominated through the eighties. And he's probably, in at least in my opinion, he's the most underrated linebacker from the Super Bowl team. Because Singletary and Wilbur Marshall get all the press. But I gotta tell you, uh, we'll get into Mike Singletary a little bit later in this in this podcast. Mike Singletary wasn't the best linebacker on that team but he 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 garners all of the praise johnny morris is next up at 44 44 he was a wide receiver again another one from the 1963 championships but he's far more than that he still is the all-time leader in yards reception yards by a bear at 5059 yards hats off to, to johnny morris
0: now, quick question on Johnny Morris. Next to his name, it says FL. What what does that stand for?
1: It, well, we call it the slot receiver nowadays. Okay. But uh, but in those days, that position where the receiver that lined up in the slot, they were known as a flanker.
0: Oh, okay, got it. Which
1: which kind of makes sense because he he flanked the line. Sure. Um, and you know he was he was not tall. He was not the fastest guy on the team, mm-hmm. but had Great hands. He also had a great career on Channel Two in Chicago as a sportscaster, and he was the color commentator for Bears games on CBS uh, through much of the the 70s and 80s until he retired.
0: Yeah, I think a lot most Bears fans probably know him um, uh, more for his television career.
1: We already touched base on Wilbur Marshall. He comes in at, at 43 probably would have been higher on this list if he hadn't left the team as a free agent. Um, probably the best linebacker on that 85 team. Your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Uh, well it's sort of a random note on him, but one of the things I uh, love about Wilbur Marshall is he was responsible for one of my favorite bears photos of all time, which was his hit on, uh, Ferguson, the quarterback for the Detroit lions, where he, he, I mean the photo is amazing because Ferguson is absolutely laid out and is sort of floating in midair about two feet off of the air and Wilbur is just over him. And it's just an unbelievable photo and it – I mean it's almost like a a football crime scene uh, because he just (laughs) – destroyed him and uh it's a it's a fun one to bring out during the season when the detroit lions fans start popping off as they often do um just to remind them you know uh of of what uh what has gone before um so yeah we obviously you know uh a guy um who i i'm hoping that roquan can kind of uh use that number 58 and make that, make that, uh, you know, some, that's the the next 58 that we remember, um, you know, and obviously, you know, a great, great, great linebacker was great for the Redskins. And, um, you know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, was one of the first uh, sort of free agent um, pioneers.
1: Absolutely. I saw that game live. I was uh, not in Detroit. I was watching it here in the Chicago area Mm -hmm. On television and, you know, in today's game, he would have been flagged for using the crown of his helmet. Mm -hmm. But just he just decked him. He must have flown about five feet backwards in the air. He hit his he was he was out cold on the field.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you can you can literally like see his 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 spirit like leaving his body in the photo it's just it's just one of those things where it's like wow <laughs> the violence of the game sometimes is wild
1: if i were to tell you or would if i were to ask you what player in team history leads in interceptions who would you guess
0: overall in overall all- Time leader in interceptions. Uh, I would just off the top of my head, I would say maybe, gosh, Tillman, Peanut Tillman.
1: Gary Fensick. All right. So, but one behind Fensick is Richie Pettibone. Richie Pettibone is another one of the safeties from the 1963 era championship team. Um, one of my favorite players of all time. He just was absolutely amazing. Uh, Gary Fensick, again has, has more career interceptions than, than Pettibone at, Pettibone finished with 36. Um, loved watching him play that entire, that entire defensive backfield. Uh, that was Rosie Taylor, Pettibone, Benny McRae, and I can't think of Davey Witzel was uh, was the fourth guy. Uh, they were just, just a blast to watch. It was in the 60s. The 60s were what the Bears have always been, tough defense, um, an okay offense, sometimes less than okay offense, but the defense usually outperformed and they were the best unit on the, on the bears team. And in the sixties was no different. We're going to skip ahead now to the, to the eighties and early nineties to number 41, Neil Anderson. Neil Anderson was the heir apparent to Walter Payton. He was drafted first in the first round, I believe out of Florida, um, He electrified crowds early in his career, but he didn't have the same passion for the game that Peyton had. And all too often later in his career, when he got the ball handed to him, he put his head down, he ran for the hole, and he ran until somebody tackled him. Where earlier in his career, he had some of the most electrifying runs, quite frankly, I'd I'd ever seen, going back to – we're talking – Gallimore, Sayers, Peyton, and he was right up there. He was right up there with with those types of electrifying runs. But sadly, his career kind of petered out, uh, and he didn't stay with the team very long. Quite frankly, probably way too high in this list, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he had a, uh, probably the biggest shoes to fill. Ever (laughs) of any Bears player, Um, you know, and as you mentioned, I think he he did fairly admirably. But you know, I mean, it's hard to follow up a guy like Peyton. I mean, you know, to to compare him, you know, with his effort, and I mean, you know, it's Peyton is just so one of a kind. I mean, obviously, we'll talk more about it. But but uh, it's funny, Neil Anderson. uh, In my mind, it sort of takes up an interesting spot, which is that he was the bears running back in all of the video games of my youth. So (laughs) because most of the games came out post Walter Payton, I think the very first Tecmo Bowl game had Walter Payton, but then they didn't, none of the old players back in those days you could get. So it was only the current players. So for most of the, my growing up playing video games, that's who the bears running back was, was Neil Anderson. So he, he has, I think a lot of people, my age, Um, he he takes sort of a a higher place in their mind, uh, partially because of that, Um, you know, and it wasn't like it was now where you can choose these uh, players from the past to be, you know, they had some games where you could choose them, but it wasn't really them. It was number 34, you know, um, you know, whatever. So kind of a, kind of a, a different uh, generational take on uh, Neil Anderson with the video game thing. Absolutely.
1: Hey, we've gotten into the 30s now, starting at, at from from 31 to 40, Ken Cavanaugh, which uh, we'll touch base on in a little bit, Harlan Hill, Link Lyman, uh, George Hallis, we'll, we have to spend some time talking about George in number 36, Red Grange, uh, George Musso, Matt Forte, George Trafton, Patty Driscoll, and Peanut Tillman at 31, so... At number 40, Ken Cavanaugh. He was another great player for the Bears championship seasons in the 40s. Uh, He took some time off to serve in the Air Force during World War II. Still ranks 10th overall in Bears history in receiving yards. So um, another great receiver from the championship years of the 40s. Harlan Hill. Probably There's probably not many people that's listening to your podcast, my podcast, our podcast uh, that knows who Harlan Hill is. If I told you he ranks second all time in Bears receiving yards, would you believe me? Probably <laughs> I, not. Yeah. He, well, he leads all but Johnny Morris uh, as the second all time Bear in receiving yards. He played for the Bears from 1954 to 1962. So that was, you know, a championship gap in that era and uh you know unfortunately a lot of a lot of bears fans in their 30s and 20s uh aren't familiar with the guy but he truly was a great bear at 38 link lyman and i I gotta i gotta be honest with you i I had to do some research on him uh because i'm not familiar with his name one of the few on this list that i wasn't familiar with He had three stints with the Bears from 26 to 28, from 30 to 31, and 33 to 34. He played with the Bears on the Red Grange barnstorming teams in the 20s, and he also played on the 34 team. The 34 team was historic in that it was undefeated, and they went to New York to play the championship game and were leading until the second half. This is the game that is... That lives in infamy in bear fandom known as the sneakers game, uh, which we'll we'll probably touch base uh, in a history segment on a future show. But uh, that sneakers game uh, was the game that destroyed the Bears finishing a perfect season back in the 30s. And everybody gave credit to the Dolphins in 72 as having the first perfect season. And that brings us to George Hallis. AA, uh, probably way too low on this list, but when you take into his, his playing career, I can maybe understand why Pearson and Pompey put him at 37. Uh, but he's, many would argue that he should be number one or tied for number one with, with Walter Payton, who's the obvious choice on this, these, uh, this gentleman's list here. But, uh, what can you say about George Halas? Father of the league, he invented um, revenue sharing. He, his foresight was amazing. He played. He was a player. He was a coach. He was an owner. His, in 1923, he recovered a fumble from legendary running back Jim Thorpe, ran it back 98 yards for a touchdown, That was in 1923, Double A, and listeners. That record stood for almost 50 years. It's one of the oldest records ever on the books in the NFL. Uh, He was just an amazing player. He was an amazing coach. He was an amazing owner, and he was an amazing man. We're going to dedicate one entire podcast to George Halas here coming up in the near future, right before the regular season. And I'm sure the listeners will be amazed to learn about this man. What do you think? I mean, larger than
0: life, you know, Papa Bear, um, you know, if, if if there's any sort of image that's, um, you know, synonymous with the bears, it's it's that image of him and his in his uh, fedora. Um you know, patrolling the sidelines, and obviously what he meant to the league, and and so on and so forth. Um, you know, in, in some ways, um, I think he his legend and his persona um, is so big that in, at times I I felt that the Bears have been kind of stuck um, until fairly recently in in the, in the historical aspect of, of themselves, you know, as this charter franchise and so on and so forth. So obviously amazing man, you know, what he did for the league, what he did for the team, et cetera, et cetera. can't be overstated, but you know, I think the flip side of that, if I'm honest, is that up until recently, you know, I think um, the bears were kind of uh, living off of that legend um a little bit and i think recently it's that's one of the most exciting things is that they've you know they're they're paying homage to the past but they're firmly planted in the in the present and the future so um and and that's more uh you know that's more george hallis than anything else I and mean, george hallis was an innovator george hallis was was a visionary um he was not a guy who was sitting around uh you know um Counting his accomplishments. He was looking to the next thing. So that's what's what's nice is that, you know, the McCaskies um, are are moving forward in a more Hallis like way um, than they've done, you know, pretty much since 86 to (laughs) a couple years ago. So uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be great to do a whole episode on him because it's certainly more than uh, worthy of a topic
1: at 36. Red Grange. Red Grange and George Hallis, when George Hallis signed Grange right out of college, probably helped legitimize the NFL in its infancy. They went on a barnstorming tour, and I've been reading a little bit about that. We'll we'll probably have to spend one full episode on the Grange barnstorming tour. They played like 17 or 18 games in like Nine weeks. It was just wow. an insane amount of games in a short period of time, but drawing record crowds, and and uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about how the Bears saved the Packer franchise because of their of their crowd drawing ability in future episodes. But this is what started it all. Red Grange, one of the most electrifying running backs of his time. At thirty five, is George. Musso George played from 1933 to 1944. He was a lineman. Uh, what was significant about about George? He was 270 pounds. Wow. He, didn't, he was he was one of the largest players at complete in that entire era. Now just think about that. Refrigerator Perry at 300 pounds in 1985 was one of the few 300 pound linemen in the entire NFL in the in the 80s and now a 300 pound lineman is standard across the offensive line especially at, at tackle uh, and at guard this guy was 275 pounds at, at in 1933 it's amazing Unbe- he was unbelievable and he and he was just as strong as he was big so That's why he is on this list. At 34, how ironic is number 34 is Matt Forte. You got Peyton's number. You got Matt Forte, the last prolific running back in Bears history up until now. Matt Forte, um, like I said, he's the most recent of the the legendary running backs. I'm not going to spend too much time on him because he's so fresh in everybody's minds. But at 34, probably a pretty fitting number for the man. What do you think, Double A?
0: Um, I think he's widely underappreciated by Bears fans. I think uh, he's another guy that got stuck in an era of not a lot of winning, um, unfortunately. So, you know, uh, it's it's a shame because, uh, you know, the guy was was everything you could want. He was an all-purpose back, two you know, nearly 2000 yards from scrimmage. I think he maybe eclipsed that a couple times, you know, in, in his era, you know, it was Marshall Falk and him, um, who were the guys who were just dominating catching passes. Um, but for whatever reason, I think that the team's, uh, lack of success during that era has, led a lot of bears fans to, to kind of harp on, uh, some of, you know, the, the few things you could criticize him for maybe, um, you know, running out of bounds, uh, instead of finishing runs or it's just strange. Like when you, you know, listen to bears fans and I mean, Twitter's not always the best, uh, barometer for it, but there's a lot of people who have some weird opinions about Forte, um, And it's a shame. I think he's starting to to come back into his proper place among uh, Bears running backs, which is, you know, one of the proudest traditions of running backs ever. And it's nice to see him this high on the list and and maybe even could have been a little higher. And I think nobody would complain about it. So uh, that's one of the good byproducts of this list is a guy like Matt Forte getting um, recognition. Um, And he's also doing a good job with the post-game show that he's on as well. So good guy, great football player.
1: I'm going to go on record to all of our listeners on this podcast and tell you that Matt Forte by far is the most complete running back the Bears have had since Walter Payton retired. Matt Forte was an every down back. He could do it all. He could run past patterns. He could catch balls out of the backfield. He ran between the tackles. He ran around the ends. Nobody did it better since Walter Payton than Matt Forte did. So hats off to Matt Forte being at number 34. At 33, George Trafton, he was a center for the Bears' uh, very first team, and he was regarded by many as the meanest and toughest player in his time. Patty Driscoll served as a player coach and even head coach for the Bears he actually took over for the Bears uh, when when Hallis stepped down in the 50s as part of his after his third 10-year run and then he came back after after that and and he actually remained a coach of the team after Hallis came came back at 31. This guy, probably the next inductee to the Hall of Fame, uh, wearing a Bears jersey. Uh, everybody knows him as Peanut. Everybody knows the Peanut Punch, Charles Tillman. In 12 years with the Bears, is the, is a is the first all time in with 42 forced fumbles, and he's third all time in interceptions. So you were close when we were talking. About uh, you know one of the guys uh, Richie Pettibon earlier being the leader in interceptions that that Tillman actually is, is third all time, Gary Fensick is next and he still holds the record for he is I'm sorry Fensick is at 38, Pettibon's at 37, Tillman is at 36 in, in interception. interceptions. So at 30 Gary Fensick, um he still holds the Bears record for the most interceptions his entire 12 year career with the bears retiring after the 87 season. So double a, give me your thoughts on these two bear great uh, defensive backs.
0: Uh, well, I think obviously Tillman changed the game. You know, players are, are still uh, doing that peanut punch, um, and you know he comes back and and teaches it every year um, to the Bears. Uh, you know one of the smartest guys to I think ever play for the Bears. Uh, in fact, I guess he recently just became an FBI agent um, in some capacity. Uh, and Fentic, uh you know, had a has had a a more prolific post career, football career than probably uh, his football career. You know, with the what his success in business. Um, another just super smart guy, um, and uh, you know he. Whenever you hear him, um, you know talk, and you sort of see him. You look at him and go, "Wow, this guy used to play football." Um, you know, it's surprising uh, because he's so so well spoken, and luckily for him, he didn't. Uh, you know, ha- doesn't seem to have suffered the after effects of uh, of the game. Uh, the way some of these guys who played a long time ago did, um, you know, and, and so both these guys are still extremely prominent in, in the Chicago uh, area, the Chicago media, um, you know, Bears fans will be well familiar with, with both these players.
1: Absolutely. Hey, we've reached the twenties. What do you think about that? Hey, we're moving right along. Before we get into the twenties, Double
0: A. Tell me about TickSplits. TickSplits.com. Well, you know, uh, everybody is online looking for tickets. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody even remembers waiting online to buy tickets, uh, in a physical line outside. Um, the way that the way that it was done a long time ago, Um, you know, every now and then you'll see people camped out and at at, at the United center for something. And I, I just kind of shake my head and wonder, what are they doing? Um, You know, but nowadays the only way to go to buy tickets is online. uh, And certainly there's lots of options out there. Um, But tick splits is uh, quickly emerged as the best, you know, they've got every event, they've got everything you need. Uh, The best part about them is that, when you search for your tickets, which is extremely easy, you just click and there's everything. you find it. it's the the price you pay is what you pay. You don't get to the uh, checkout box and then see a bunch of extra added fees uh, and so forth. So it's upfront. you know what you're paying., uh, you get the tickets sent right to you in your email. you can have them mailed to you, and that's the only way you'd pay any extra uh, fee. And uh, you know they're it's it's great. it's easy and uh, everybody should be using them to get their tickets. They have tickets for events that uh, before they go on sale, (laughs) so it's awesome.
1: Absolutely. As of a week ago, TickSplits was the only third-party website out there that actually had tickets for the Bears game in London. StubHub didn't have them. SeatGeek didn't have them. The day the schedule came out in April – Tick splits had seats for that game on their website available for immediate purchase. In today's market, you can't be duped by walking up to the game anymore and seeing somebody go, hey, who? you need a ticket? I got a ticket for you. The Bears don't print paper tickets any longer. Every ticket is an e-ticket. You have to have your ticket on a mobile device. So please don't walk up to a Bears game and try to buy a ticket from somebody standing in in the crowd, standing at tailgate parties, standing in parking lots, standing in the ramps going up to the stadium. Those tickets are going to be counterfeit. TickSplits.com. you pay no service fees, guaranteed seats. If you have a problem, they will take care of you. So go to TickSplits.com, go to your favorite mobile device, go to your app store, whether it's Google Play or the Apple iTunes app store, and download the TickSplits app today. I promise you, you'll never go anywhere else. All right, now we go into the 20s, starting with Rick Caceres at 29, Lance Briggs, Owen Krutz, Ed Healy, Ed Sprinkle, Joe Fortunato, George McAfee, George Connor, and Joe Steidehar. So there's some, there's some unfamiliar names on that list from the past, but there's, there's a couple that are very recent in, in Bears' memory. Rick Caceres was the starting fullback for the Bears in the 50s and 60s. He, he retired after the 64 season. His 5,657 yards rushing as a fullback is still the fourth all-time leader on Bears rushing history. Hard to believe, but the guy was just a bruiser of a running back. He also played special teams for Halas in the 50s and 60s. Lance Briggs. What, what can we say about Lance? Lance Briggs probably... One of the most dominating outside linebackers the Bears had had since Wilbur Marshall, Lance Briggs, kind of soured a lot of Bears fans with his uh, stance on salary and his holdouts. He at one time said he was never going to play for the Bears again, but he never played for anybody else. So go figure. Uh, he was limited to just 17 games in his last two seasons as a Bear, which Quite frankly, I didn't remember, but one of the most dominating outside linebackers the Bears have had in recent memory. Speaking of dominant, at number 27, Owen Cruz, probably another candidate for the Hall of Fame. He was the Bears center for 13 years, including the 06 team that went to the Super Bowl. And he went to six, six Pro Bowls. So Double A, what are your thoughts on Briggs and o, and
0: O.K.? Uh, you know, Briggs, great player, uh, just uh, had the uh, luck and unluck, if you will, of playing next to an even greater player in Brian Urlacher. Um, so, you know, perhaps isn't recognized uh, as as being quite as great as as uh, maybe he should be. Um, but again, you know, you mentioned, you know, his uh, his off the field stuff. Um, He's also, you know, kind of infamous for crashing his Lamborghini um, and uh, being in the news for a few things that weren't so uh, weren't so great. Um, But overall, great player, Um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Erlacher and Briggs. You know, right up there amongst the best two linebackers to ever play for the Bears. Um, Briggs is uh, also another guy that does the post game uh, now with uh, Forte and Alex Brown, and, and they do a great job. And um, I think he's another guy that's been re embraced into the fold with the Bears organization to a decent degree, and that's nice to see um, for sure. And uh, Olin Krootz, man, I mean, it. it the guy is as tough as they come. Absolutely one of the toughest players ever, uh, was, was a leader in the locker room a guy that everybody looked to, um, you know, some said maybe had too much control of the locker room, um, you know, during different times, uh, he was certainly, uh, far more of a leader of that team, um, than really almost anybody else when he played, um, you know, or, far more than Cutler for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say, you know, him and him and Erlacher were the two team leaders during, uh, their eras. And, uh, one of the things I love about Olin, uh, is the speech that he, that they were able to capture, um, before they came back against the Cardinals, uh, in the famous comeback game, um, with that, that, uh, gave us the Dennis green, the bears are who we thought they were speech. Owen gave, a an amazing, uh, rousing speech about them, you know, that they were going to come back and they were going to win that game. And probably, and, uh, he's, you know, he's just, he's, he's one of the greats. I mean, you could, I I think you could argue probably the best or second best bear center of all time. And that would be my opinion of him.
1: I would probably put him right behind Hilgenberg, but right. you're absolutely right. One of the most dominating centers. And the Bears have been blessed with, with great players at different positions, linebacker, lineman, running backs, maybe not so much wide receivers yet, but uh, but by far, Olin Kruitz got to be top two or three uh, Bears centers of, of all time. You, you touch base on Lance Briggs about the the post game show that he does on on uh, what is it Comcast Sports or it's now NBC Chicago or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I have I have to tell our listeners there is no better post game show anywhere whether it's on television or if it's on the radio. Not Hampton, not not Obradovich, uh, none of those guys. Lawrence Holmes, uh, Matt Forte, Alex Brown, and Lance Briggs do an absolute amazing job post-game talking about the game and breaking down some film. So I'd love to get Lawrence Holmes to be a guest on our show. So if anybody has a connection with, with Lawrence, uh, please shoot him our way, have him reach out to us. We'd love to have him on the show as, a, as one of our guest speakers. We're going to go back in time again. Uh, at number 26 and, and number 25, Ed Healy was a Bears uh, lineman, I believe. He, he played in the 20s. From 1922 to 27, the Bears never had a losing season. Hard to believe, but the, the Bears were one of the most dominant teams in the 20s and the 40s. One uh, of his claimed to fame, as I was doing some research on him, in, in 1924... One of his teammates on defense grabbed an interception and started heading for the wrong goal. <laughs> it would have been a safety, and Healy actually ran him down and tackled him so he wouldn't score against his own team. <laughs> so uh, kind of interesting when you do some research about these guys. Yeah. At, tw- at 25, at sprinkle, that Sprinkle, you know, I hear talk about Sprinkle all the time. Uh, He played from 44 to 55. He was one of the most feared defensive ends in his era. So it's good to see him on the list. At 24, Joe Fortunato. He was in the linebacking team when Bill George took a step back and became a linebacker and formed what is still the basis of the 43 defense. Fortunato was on one side. And Johnny Morris's brother Larry was on the other side. And that was the linebacking core that won George Hallis' last championship in in 1963. Uh, I got another trivia question for you, Double A. Sure. If you were to tell me, or if I were to ask you, who is the all-time leader in punt return average? Not for the Bears. But for the entire NFL, would you guess Devin Hester?
0: Yeah, I'd have to guess Devin Hester, uh, maybe Deion Sanders. <laughs> that would be yep. my two.
1: And you would be wrong on both counts. Mm. Uh, his number is retired by the Bears. His number was uh, jersey number five, George McAfee. Wow. Uh, he was uh, an amazing player for the Bears. And yes, his punt return average at 12.8 for a career is number one in the league. I believe somebody has tied it recently, uh, but they're retired, so his record still stands. One of the longest records. We talked about Hallis's 98-yard touchdown return of a fumble being one of the longest records that stood until it was broken. George McAfee's career 12.8-yard return on punts still stands in the NFL record book. At number 22, George Connor. He's a member of the decade team of the 40s. He was a Hall of Fame in both the college and NFL. He played his entire career with the Bears spanning eight seasons. And finishing off uh, the top, uh, getting it at number 21, Joe Steidahar. You had to do a little research on him. He was a, a dominating offensive tackle for the Bears during the 30s and 40s. He played from 36 to, to 47, and he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 1967. So now we're getting into the nitty-gritty double-A. We're down to our final 20 of the Bears' top 100 list. What are your thoughts so far? You
0: know, it's, it's just amazing um, how how many generations uh, these players span you know and uh, that's what's great about this organization you know i was saying i don't know how many teams could really do a list like this i mean they could any team could do it um but it wouldn't be a history lesson like this you know and so i think that's what's unique about the bears and you know to be doing it in their 100th hundredth, the hundredth year etc only makes it more uh special and so it's it's uh it's amazing, You know, it's great to learn these names and to, and to 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 kind of get a little sneak peek at some of these players and then to kind of see where some of the players that I, um, you know, am more familiar with sort of fit in uh, with them. And the thing that keeps coming up to me is these guys that that fought in World War Two, you know, for two, three years, uh, they left football and went and fought in World War Two and came back and played football again. And uh, to me, that's probably more amazing than anything they did on the field. Um, so, you know, uh, the, some of these guys um, for for just that, you know, uh, need to be recognized, uh, you know, and we just uh, obviously we, we just uh, went past Memorial Day, um, you know, and so that's that's something that in my mind just keeps yeah. popping up is the amazing uh, way that these guys served their country and then came back uh, and. And served uh, in on the football field.
1: Can a, just absolutely perfect. Well said, Double A. I couldn't. I just can't add to that. So we'll just start with the, the the second to last set of ten from twenty to eleven. Starting off with Devin Hester, Steve McMichael, Jay Hilgenberg, Stan Jones, who's a throwback to the '63 championship team. Bill Hewitt's probably the least known Bears whose jersey is retired. Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher, Jimbo Covert, Richard Dent, Dan Hampton. Wow, what a list, huh?
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: <laughs> Devin a- Hester will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Devin Hester uh, we've been talking about long-standing records. His record is a little bit more recent, but might be one record that will never be touched again because they've taken returns pretty much out of the ballgame, especially on, on kick returns. And with punters' legs getting stronger and kicking the ball higher in better directional, I, I don't see anybody breaking 20 combined touchdowns on returns ever again.
0: What do you think? I agree. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because it is one of the most exciting uh, parts of the game. Uh, But I, you know, I do understand, I guess, why they've changed it, why they've kind of, um, you know, taken it out of the game in in a sense, but it's a shame to me um, because, you know, Devin Hester is one of the most electrifying players to ever play the game on any team in any era Um, You know, the guy just when he got the ball on a kickoff or a punt return, it was must watch television Um, and that the kickoff return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl in 2006 is is one of my favorite football plays, period of all time. Uh, Just to open the game like that uh, was unbelievable. And, you know, of course, they didn't win that game, but it doesn't taint that memory. Of that of that moment, watching them take the opening kickoff of a Super Bowl back. I mean, people weren't even in their seats yet. The smoke of the fireworks wasn't wasn't even remotely cleared. And all of a sudden, here's Devin Hester in the end zone. Um, You know, so uh, obviously just a guy that uh, is amazing. And, you know, as uh, Joniak said, uh, Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. And that's what he was.
1: He truly was. A uh, little personal note, I happen to be sitting in the stands in Green Bay on opening day of the 2006 season, and I have photographs of Devin Hester's very first punt return. I have to find my camera equipment go through my little chips and find that there's a picture that I just absolutely love. And I want to get a couple copies of it made. So if I can get a chance to meet Devin Hester uh, during the Bears 100 celebration next week, I want to give him one, and I want I would like for him to autograph the other for for my personal man cave that will be opening here in a couple of weeks. So the actual Hallis Hall uh, is being renovated right now, and and will be open for business where we will be broadcasting from in the future. And, uh, that will be hopefully one of my centerpieces. Awesome. Steve, Mc, Steve McMichael was, everybody knows Steve McMichael, Mongo. Uh, you know, he was a defensive lineman for the bears. Steve McMichael was not drafted by the bears, nor did he finish his career with the bears, but the, in between he was one of the most dominant defensive linemen we have ever seen. Uh, He only recorded double-digit sacks twice in his career, but both as a Bear. So let me ask you this. Here's another trivia question. Who drafted Steve McMichael? Uh, I don't know. New England. The Patriots Patriots drafted McMichael and passed on him. He signed as a free agent with the Bears in 81, and, and the rest is history. At number 18, double A, this is the guy probably most deserving to be in the NFL Hall of Fame that that doesn't get any recognition, seven-time pro bowler, center on the Super Bowl XX team. I'm speaking, of course, of Jay Hilgenberg. Talk to me.
0: You said it. I mean, him and him and, and we're going to get to him. Jimbo covert are two guys that, uh, were just absolutely dominant offensive linemen. And you can't, you can't talk about the career of Walter Payton without mentioning these guys, um, or you shouldn't. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. they were unbelievably important to everything that Walter Payton did. Um, and so, you know, it is it is sort of strange that uh, these two guys have not been recognized yet, um, him and Jimbo. Uh, but uh, hopefully that that changes soon. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, just dominance, uh, you know. I mean, the Bears had their best, some of their best running seasons ever when these two guys were, were uh, opening the holes.
1: I will say this, you yeah. know, Walter Payton ran, we're going to talk about Walter here at the end of the show when he's, because he's number one on the list, 16, over 16,000 yards. His record was broken subsequently by Emmitt Smith. If he would have had Hilgenberg, Bortz, Thayer, Covert, Van Horn blocking in front of him for his entire career, he would have eclipsed 20,000 yards and nobody would ever touch Peyton's rushing record. That's how special this group of linemen actually were. At 17, Dan Jones, seven-time Pro Bowler. He played offensive tackle in his career early with the Bears and defensive tackle late in his career. And He was also a member of the Bears championship team in 63 and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Bill Hewitt probably like i said earlier the least known bear whose jersey is retired when i talk about bill hewitt when people will, will question me in trivia i said can you name can you name all of the players whose jerseys are retired few people can do it and they go who the hell is is bill hewitt well, bill, bill hewitt had only a 5 year career from from 32 to 36 but he was inducted into the Hall of Fame at 71. He was the last of 11 starters of that era. Back in those days, both, both the starting 11 played offense and defense. So they were known as a platoon. He, his induction into the Hall of Fame is noteworthy in that it's the first ever platoon in the NFL where all 11 players are enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Bill Hewitt, number 56. If you don't know him, people, go read about him because he's quite an entertaining story. At 15, Mike Singletary... Mike continued the tradition of legendary middle linebackers in Bears history, the captain of the most feared defense in the history of the NFL and Super Bowl championship, 85 Bears, Hall of Fame enshrinee in 1998. He's still in football to this day in a coaching capacity. Just an absolute student of defense. Uh, Great to see him here. I said earlier, he's probably not the best linebacker on the team, but he is the most noteworthy linebacker from the, the team of the eighties. And because of his take charge attitude and what he was able to do, uh, directing that defense on the field puts him where he is. And rightfully so.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Singletary is one of these guys that also, uh, benefited from television, um, You know, he was certainly great. Can't argue his greatness, but the camera also loved him. His eyes are uh, legendary. Just the way he would scan the field back and forth. Uh, He had some great sound bites, you know. um, And so, you know, that's that's part of this. I mean, I always like to remind people when they're talking about the Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Best. And sometimes people who are famous get famous for different reasons. They don't always get famous for being the absolute best in their field or the, or the unequivocal uh, leader. Um, they get famous for different things. And sometimes, you know, it might be where you play or who you play with or, you know, what your team does. And, and so Singletary, you know, unquestionably great, but you know, again, <clears throat> might not be the, the statistical uh, dominator that people would expect um, you know, but certainly he's well-known and then, uh, he was well-known, um, for his post playing career is, you know, kind of Rocky coaching career with the 49ers. And he had some, <laughs> some famous blowups and, um, you know, I mean, the camera loves the guy. So, uh, he's, he's got his place in, in bears lore. Uh, that's unshakable.
1: One of his infamous outburst was uh, when he was the head coach of the 49ers and he kicked their tight end. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but literally kicked him off the field and took him, sent him to the, uh, to the locker room and he, the kid learned from it. It wasn't one of the fastest tight ends to ever play the game in this era. and, And I believe he's now with the 49ers, but literally kicked him off the field because of his attitudes in after the game can't have it. Right. Can't rant? do it. Can't do it. <laughs> what, a, what a rant. But Mike Mike Singletary is uh, will forever be known as the uh, the middle linebacker and captain of the 1985 team, which is well renowned as the best Super Bowl team ever. All right. So, hey, we've been throwing a few trivia questions in now and again, and, and I think I've stumped, stumped you just about every time. Mm -hmm. I have a trivia question for you. What rookie linebacker played so ineffectively at outside linebacker his first game? He was benched in his second game. He replaced an injured linebacker in game three because he couldn't go and never looked back. Kind of like a Wally Pipp. This I
0: I believe I actually know, and it's – probably my favorite bear of all time. And that is Brian Urlacher.
1: You're absolutely right. Do you know who he was replaced by an outside linebacker after his rookie game, rookie year, first game?
0: Oh, I used to know this, but I can't remember.
1: Roosevelt Colvin. Right. Right. That guy, that guy was, he's one of the guys that isn't on this list, but, uh, was a, a, just an amazing edge rusher mm-hmm. from out, outside linebacker. But, yeah, absolutely, in his rookie year, he started at outside linebacker, didn't impress. He was benched in game two. Barry Minter was hurt in game two, couldn't could Couldn't start week three. erlocker stepped in, played phenomenal. The rest is history. Probably uh, one of the – I'm sorry – I'm going to take that back without question. The most athletic middle linebacker the bears have ever had. And he's the latest of the long list of bears players to be enshrined in the hall of fame. No team has more players in the hall of fame. And when we get into the last 10, 12 on this list, just about every one of them are in the hall of fame. So a lot to look forward to, but since he was your probably favorite bear of all time, Take a few minutes and talk about Urlach or Double A. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, I uh, he's the reason I'm a Bears fan. Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, he's from New Mexico. Um, he played at UNM. Um, he is really the start and finish of why anybody should really know anything about the University of New Mexico football. Uh, the only other player of note that really came out of there was Terrence Mathis. Uh, who was a wide receiver for the Jets, um, but and uh, Stony Case, <laughs> a guy who um, played in the league as a quarterback. But other than that, there hasn't been a lot of. Um, UNM football players that were any, uh, of any note. And for one to go, it's so high in the draft. And, um, you know, he was obviously a safety in, in, uh, college. And he also even returned some kicks, um, you know, and the guy was just, he was as dominant and prolific and, um, Noteworthy and notable as you could probably ever be as an athlete playing in the state of New Mexico. Um, you know, growing up there, everybody is either a Cowboys or a Broncos fan uh, or Raiders fan. That was pretty much it. Um, on the weekends, <clears throat> the only thing you could watch was Bronco games or Cowboy games, and then maybe whatever national game you know and then monday night football um so when when urlacher uh, got drafted clearly everybody was very excited uh in new mexico and it, and it made a lot of bear fans who are still bear fans today um and you know obviously his career was was amazing as a bear and um you know that's the first bears jersey i ever bought was brian urlacher and you know he's just uh it's just a guy that, uh, I've looked up to, um, you know, since, since he came into the league and, uh, you know, continue to, um, and, uh, and I'm glad that he's also back in the fold because his, the end of his time as a bear was, was not the greatest. I don't, I don't really, I didn't love how the organization handled that, uh, in particular. I mean, I don't think he was, um, you know, without blame in that situation, but, just, just such an amazing player, you know, all over the field. Um, you know, that I mentioned that game before the comeback versus, uh, the Cardinals and, and he, he had so many tackles in that game and just a guy that could absolutely do it all. Um, you know, could cover a, a running back, could cover a tight end, could even cover a wide receiver, um, if need be. Um, you know, he he played in an era um, where, you know, you had Ray Lewis and and Zach Thomas and, um, you know, some of the best linebackers to ever play football. And he's still widely regarded as one of the best to ever play. And so him being in the Hall of Fame was a no brainer. Um, You know, the only thing that, that, that kind of was in question was could they induct him and Ray Lewis at the same time, just because historically they didn't You know, they don't tend to do that with guys who play the same position. But, you know, you couldn't I mean, it's great that they went in together and, um, you know, I don't know. It's uh, he's 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 to me. He's one of those guys that, you know, is a quintessential Chicago Bear. Um, And so it's uh, that'll be an exciting thing because I've never met him. I, I saw him in the airport once. Um, and I didn't want to bother him because um, he was with his kids, um, but I've never met him. So I, I, it'd be cool to to get a chance to shake his hand at the Bears 100.
1: It'll be great to see you there, Double A. I'm going to be there all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I just can't tell you how I how excited I am to be able to get to this event this weekend, uh, next weekend. It's just mm-hmm. going to be uh, an amazing time. Uh, Jimbo Covert. Comes in at number 13. We talked about Jimbo a little while ago when we were talking about Jay Hilgenberg up at 18. Uh, Jimbo Colbert is another Bears lineman from the dominating year of the 80s, 85 Super Bowl championship and absolutely as deserving of being in the Hall of Fame as Hilgenberg. Hopefully he will earn a Hall of Fame nod someday. I hope that, uh, that Pompey can get in front of the Hall of Fame directors and really speak his piece about this guy because he definitely belongs there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, uh, a big proponent of uh, covert is Mike North, and Mike North always talks about how uh, he is one of the few guys that ever uh, sort of shut down Lawrence Taylor. Um, So that's, you know, among many other things is his claim to fame.
1: The sad part about the Bears line of the mid-80s is they didn't start in the mid-70s and play their entire career in front of Walter Payton's entire career. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about Walter in a little bit, but uh, I will tell you that if he would have had this group of linemen in front of him his entire career, his rushing record would have been so out of reach that Evan Smith never would have broke it. So Great. we got to see Colbert Hilgenberg in the hall of fame. The next two guys on the list, uh, it's kind of appropriate that they're together on the list so we can talk about them at the same time. Teammates in the eighties, Richard Dent, the Colonel, the all time sack leader in bears history at 124 and a half hall of famer in 2011 and Dan Hampton, who's also in the Hall of Fame, and he's third all-time in sacks. Who's in front of, or who's between Dent and Hampton in sacks all-time? Um. Wow. Who's between them? Um. And remember, sacks weren't kept as a statistic yeah. until the early 80s, so... We're going to actually talk about another guy who probably would be the Bears leader in sacks if it was kept in a stat in a couple of players. But Steve McMichael is, Mongo. Number, is number two. But, uh, you know, Hampton and Dent, they were just as dominant a duo in the league in the uh, in the 80s. Uh, Dent came in. He was drafted, I believe, in 83 out of Tennessee or Tennessee State. Uh, Hampton came out of Arkansas in in the late 70s. They just formed, you know, a defensive line that was as fearsome as any defensive front four in the history of the league.
0: Yeah, you said it all there.
1: That gets us to the top 10. Before we get to the top 10, I have to announce a retraction. Because at number 22, I was talking about George Conner. And I confused George Conner with Bill George. So I apologize. At number 22, George Conner, he was an all-decade team member of the 40s. He's a Hall of Famer in both the college and the NFL. He played his entire career with the Bears in the 40s in eight seasons So I apologize for getting him confused with uh, another legendary bear, which we're going to talk about uh, in just a few minutes. At number 10, the top 10 list starts with Danny Fortman, all pro seven consecutive years from 37 to 43, was on the championship teams of 40, 41 and 43, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1965. Doug Atkins, pro bowler in eight of his nine seasons with the Bears, might very well be the guy that I just talked about. He's probably the all-time sack leader, but they didn't keep stats on sacks until the 80s. Uh, He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1982. His number is not retired by the Bears, but it is retired by the New Orleans Saints, even though he only played three years for the Saints he was part of their inaugural teams. Bulldog Turner, Hall of Fame class of 1966, entire 13-year career, career as a Bear, one of the great offensive linemen in Bears history. His number is also retired. What number did, did Bulldog Turner wear? Well, 66. Love, that's You got it. You got it. So, obviously, Aaron, you know most of this, but uh, it's great to – have these trivia questions thrown out during the podcast. So yeah, for sure. I mean, I,
0: I didn't know this before I started doing this research. So it, it's, again, it's another great benefit of, of doing this podcast and uh, also of this list, uh, being made.
1: Absolutely. Uh, number seven, Bill George, I confused him earlier at number 22, Bill George, was a Hall of Fame inductee in 1974. They were playing a game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was rushing and trying to smack the center. Uh, and they were dumping the ball directly over his head for an easy completion. So he took a couple of steps back from the line and. It stymied that entire passing game that the Eagles had that game, and that was the day the middle linebacker position was born. So he is credited as being the first middle linebacker in league history. He was the middle linebacker for Hallis, of course, in his last championship team of 1963. And at number six on the list, his best season for the Bears was probably his rookie season as a player. And I'm speaking none other than the coach, Mike <laughs> Ditka, uh, rookie of the year in 1961. He only played six years for the Bears. A lot of people think his career was a lot longer than that. Uh, he only played six years. He went to Philadelphia. He went to Dallas. He came back to the Bears after being a, a, I believe he was a special teams coach for Dallas. Hallis brought him back in the 80s as, as head coach of the Bears. Uh, and he is the only man in NFL history to have caught a touchdown pass as a player in a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl as head coach. We could probably have an entire podcast on Ditka, but uh, uh, for the sake of time, we've got way too much to talk about with our last five players. But to briefly, what are your thoughts about uh, Coach Ditka, the player?
0: Uh, you know, I don't know a ton about him as a player. Um, I, I, kind of feel like he's, he's living off of legend and reputation being up at six. Um, if this is really a list of players, um, you know, but, uh, you know, from what I know about him as a player, he, he was, um, a, you know, a, a tight end that, uh, kind of changed the game in terms of, you know, kind of not being just a blocker, um, so, you know, I, I could buy this. I mean, I think, you know, he's um, I, I think people might have freaked out if he was lower on this list, I suppose. Um, you know, it, it, it's just strange to me that to to have Hallis so low and Dick is so high. If, if this is a list of players, I mean, so I mean, how, how you know, if Dick is living off of his legend as a coach and personality to be up this high. Uh, you know, how could Hallis not be higher? So I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher just within the context of this list. I mean, you certainly can't argue his greatness within the lore of the franchise, and and uh, but he's another guy that benefited largely from uh, his TV and from person, his personality and, um, you know, obviously the 85 season and him sort of becoming larger than life and, um, you know, that his personality and his uh, his fame might be the reason why he never, you know, uh, made made more of a a coaching career um, or made more with his coaching career, because I think he definitely started drinking his own Kool-Aid after the 85 season and and couldn't get along with Buddy Ryan and, you know, and then of course the Saturday Night Live kind of immortalized him, um, you know, as as this, uh, this, figure of, of invincibility so uh, you know larger than life uh, still with us you know uh, still great good for a great sound bite uh, you know gets the crowd going comes out and yells go bears so um, <laughs> <you can't, laughs> I don't know it's, it's it's so much to say about dicka he's a, he's a he's a polarizing figure to some degree but also a just a, a living legend I guess is the best way to describe him
1: he yeah, living legend is 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 a great, uh, great moniker for Da Coach. Everybody likes to refer to Ditka as dot Coach for the Bears and and all that. But um, as we hit the top five, I don't think there could be any debate on where these guys uh, fell into our last five. So uh, Mike Ditka was number six. At number five. The Kansas Comet, Gale Sayers. I was privileged to get to see most of his uh, playing career. Uh, I, he started in 1965 at the, I was a tender age of eight years old. Uh, he played through the the 1971 season. He only played a couple games into the season, and uh, he he backed away from the game because his knees were just uh, he just couldn't take it anymore. But what a career. I think he ends up actually only fourth in terms of yards gained by a Bears in, in history. He's right behind Rick Caceres, who we talked about earlier. Gail Sayers was so electrifying that after he retired from the league, he became the youngest player to this day ever enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His sixth touchdown game in December of 1965 against the 49ers is one of the single greatest performances by an individual player in league history. And it was on a sloppy field. Uh, They actually took him out of the game. He was out of the game for almost the entire fourth quarter because the Bears were so far ahead that Halas didn't want him to get injured. And he put him back in for a punt return. And he took that 85 yards for a touchdown to be touchdown number six of what was an absolute amazing game. Probably could could have scored eight touchdowns in that game. Uh, I'm just so grateful that I got to see uh, so many players from, from Rick Caceres to Willie Gallimore, to Gail Sayers to Walter Payton to the, the current team. And I can say I've seen them all play in person Uh, Gail Sayers was just an amazing, amazing player. And, you know, maybe you could argue he should be higher on the list, but because his career was so short, number five is a great fit because we're going to get into uh, the next four players that are absolutely amazing players in their own right. But do you have any thoughts about uh, Gail?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's another guy that, you know, dominated during his era. So despite his short career, gets the gets the notoriety because of that, you know, um it, it didn't have a lot of peers uh at that at in his playing time that were anywhere close to as good as him. And then of course I think you, you can't talk about Gail Sayers without talking about Brian's song, um, which I think it cemented him into the the consciousness of uh, of America. Um, you know, before Walter Payton became everybody's favorite bear, I think Gail Sayers was everybody's favorite bear. And I think he's another reason why the Bears nation, the Bears fandom is so strong um, and in the United States and around the world, to be honest, uh, because of that story, who he was, uh, that movie. Um, was was incredibly influential and has only made his legend grow um, even further, um, which is kind of funny. It's sort of a, a, an unfortunate side note. But for whatever reason, Brian Urlacher does not like and does not get along with Gale Sayers. And and well, the reason is, is because Gale was rather critical of Lovey Smith uh, and Urlacher has just never forgiven him for that. In fact, recently he was on the radio. Um, <laughs> talking about it again. Um, and it's it's a strange grudge that Urlacher has against Sayers um, because he felt that, that Sayers shouldn't have been so harshly critical of Lovey um or uh, you know, so that's an odd sort of footnote. but um you know, again, Sayers and Peyton, um, you know, uh, maybe a couple other guys are just synonymous with the with the Chicago Bears, even with his short career.
1: In 100 years of Bears history, in all of the legendary talk, rightfully so, about the dominant defenses throughout Bears history, it's interesting that three of the top five are running backs. So Gale Sayers is number five. Number four, this guy is legendary in his own right but nobody knows about him other than the fact that he's the best quarterback the bears have ever had. And that's of course, Sid Luckman, Sid Luckman. Here's a trivia question for you, but now you already know the answer. What quarterback in the history of the NFL had his best season with a touchdown rate of 13.9%. So for every Basically, for every 7.2 passes thrown, he threw a touchdown pass. Sid Luckman? Sid Luckman. 13.9% in 1943. That means for one pass out of every seven he threw, he threw a touchdown pass. Unbelievable. I I didn't know that until I was looking up uh, just yesterday when I was completing my research for our show today But he was also the quarterback for four of the Bears' nine championships in the 40s. His 28 touchdown passes in that 43 season is surpassed only by Eric Kramer's 29 in 1995, but he did it in only 10 games. So Sid Luckman at number four, uh, very fitting to be the, the, the top quarterback on the list as well as in the top five. The next running back on the list is Bronco Nagurski. Bronco Nagurski is one of the most legendary Bears of all time. Of course, his jersey is also retired. Legend has it that on a, on a trip going up to uh, recruit college players, uh, a recruit uh, recruiter for Minnesota, University of Minnesota, uh, stopped uh, this guy who's plowing a field by hand. By hand, not with horse drawn, but using a plowshare, pushing it by hand, and he was asking for directions to a town. In he lifted the plow and pointed in the direction of where the guy needed to go, and they stopped and signed it. That's Bronco. <laughs> that's Bronco Nagurski. Um, he uh, he's legendary. He <laughs> he played for the Bears in in the in the twenties in the in the Rockne era, and I'm not going to name the Green Bay Packer. I didn't I didn't take time to write it down, but the Bears were were in punt formation, and this packer says to Grange, hey, don't block me, because I promise I won't block the punt, but I just want to take a shot at that Pollock, Nagursky. So <laughs> true story. True story. So he obliged. He said, you know, I didn't want to block the guy. He was beating the hell out of me all game long. So he lets him through. He hits Nagurski and bounces off of him. He turns to Red Grange and said, please never do me any more favors. <laughs> that, that's how, that's how, how tough. There's another legendary story about Bronco Nagurski where he went through about three broken tackles. He had his head lowered, and he, when he scored a touchdown, he went headlong into the outfield wall, and he says, you know, those those three guys took a good shot at me, but that last guy hit me pretty good, and it was a brick wall. So Bronco <laughs> Nagurski at, at number three, um, he has probably the strangest record of all time in that Bronco Nagurski holds the record for his, the size of his championship ring. This is how big this guy's hands were. Any guesses on how big his ring is? I wear a size no. ten. I wear a size 10, ten, ten and a half. Bronco Nagurski's ring size is nineteen and a half. Wow. I mean, it's I mean that's a sausage.
0: <laughs> that's wild.
1: Bronco Nagurski, the the last of the old time bears, coming in at number three and probably well deserved.
0: Yeah, I was talking. Uh, so I, one thing I was going to say about Bronco, I was talking on the tailgate show this week about him a little bit just because he was one of these guys that just was a different physical specimen came in, you know, just as you're talking about, he comes into the league and he's different. You know, it's uh, like like Wilt Chamberlain in basketball, you know, just this guy's different, you know, and and really, um, you know, changed change the game because of, you know, his size and speed, um, you know, and you talk about an interesting tidbit, like his, like his ring size. I mean, the guy was just, just a physical freak. Um, and so, you know, uh, it, legend legends were made and, you know, and what a name, I mean, Bronco Nagurski, if, if you're writing a, a story uh, about a bears player and, and you were making up a fiction that's that's probably a name that you might come up with, you know, because uh, it perfectly fits with a with a Chicago accent. And it's just such a cool uh, just such a cool name to, to have. And, to, you know, for a football player uh, reminds me of the uh, the the Will Farrell sketch where they're talking about Bill. Bill Brasky and uh, <laughs> this, this legendary Bill Brasky. He, you know, he did this and he drank this and he did that. I could just see, uh, you know, Bronco Nagurski um, being talked about w- with these almost uh, mythic proportions, uh, you know, and and legends being uh, almost concocted about about his feats of strength and and so forth. But you know, he it really happened. He really lived. So. Pretty absolutely
1: one thing looking at this uh, this list um, the top uh, seven on the list from from Bill George on down um, these are seven eight counting bulldog Turner so the top eight on this list their jerseys have all been retired by the Bears so uh, it's It's fitting that these guys are all where they're at on the list. Uh, We've got to our top two, double A, starting with the one and only, probably the guy that rewrote the middle linebacker position, of course, and we're talking about none other than Dick Butkus. Came to the Bears in 1965. How about this draft? In the first round, the Bears drafted back to back. They drafted Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers. What Man. a draft! What a draft class that had to be. Uh, I just get fired up talking about Dick Butkus because I got to see him play for almost his entire career. Uh, Dick Butkus, you know, like I said, he came to the Bears in 1965, one of two first-round draft choices. Came out of the University of Illinois. University of Illinois has two numbers retired on their footballs team, Red Grange and Dick Butkus. The guy, still to this day, his 27 fumble recoveries as a a Bear, his record still stands. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1979. He probably would have played longer, but he had some some knee issues. He retired uh, after nine seasons. Uh, and he caught one pass. <laughs> he caught one pass for an extra point uh, on a bot snap against Philadelphia. And he holds the ball up to the, to the Philadelphia uh, defender. And he, the guy literally batted it out of his hands into the stands through the end zone. Uh, just mean, tough, asked no quarter, gave no quarter. He's the, the legend that all Bears strive to live up to on, on defense, and, and he couldn't be at a better spot than number two on this list.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said it all. Dick Buck is uh, – nobody played the linebacker position like him before, and I don't know that anybody's played it like him since. Um, just like you said, played played nasty, really, really wanted to – intimidate and did intimidate. I mean, I can't imagine looking over, uh, the, the line and being a running back or lining up across from him and knowing that you had to, to go against a guy like that. I mean, just, just dominance and, uh, you know, another guy that, uh, you know, just shapes the legend of, of the Chicago bears. Great name,
1: great mustache, great player one legendary story about butkus it's absolutely true the bears were playing detroit and it was the last couple minutes of the game and the bears were losing and butkus called timeout after play it's on the field and the guys are going the hell are you doing he said, i want one more shot at their center joe schmidt was their center and just just hauled off and just hit the living shit out of this guy with a forearm shiver, and play was over. Call timeout again. They you know, used all of his timeouts <laughs> just so he could take take a couple extra shots at the at the Detroit Lions Center. It's just stuff that legends were absolutely made of. So yeah. we've gone through 99 Bears in two shows, and we're finally at number one, and number one could only be one guy, and that guy, double A, is?
0: Walter Payton, sweetness.
1: Sweetness it is. Never a doubt who number one would be on this list. He played 13 years. He only missed one game, and that was due to a coach's decision. He could have played. He missed a game. if I can't remember it was first year or second year uh, against Pittsburgh and the coaches held him out he could have played every single game of his entire 13 year career as a running back that's unheard of in this league you know he played with some hamstring issues he played with you know there were a couple of years where he had his his some arthroscopic surgery on his knees to clean him up but 16,726 Hard earned rushing yards, another 5,000 or 4,538 receiving yards, 21,000 more than 21,000 yards from line of scrimmage. He still holds 31 Bears records, and he was as good off the field as he was on the field. Uh, Legendary, lived in. He lived not far from where I grew up. He was in South Barrington. I grew up in in the Schaumburg area. Uh, His house, we'd go by uh, off of Munhank Road, off of Barrington Road in the the, uh, South Barrington area. Uh, The street was called Peyton Run, believe it or not. Uh, I've never been to his hill in Des I'd love to, to actually get on top of that hill. I believe it's part of a golf course now, but I believe that the hill still stands Would absolutely love to do that. We could do an entire podcast double A on Walter Payton and what he meant to the team and what he meant to the league. But let's just say that at number one, there could have only been one Walter Payton. Yep. I mean, you, you you cannot possibly
0: say enough about this guy. Being at number one is absolutely appropriate. I think one of the coolest things about him is also that he threw eight touchdowns. Um, and they were not cheap. <laughs> they, he threw some amazing touchdowns. There's a couple different highlight reels of his passing touchdowns that are just Just unbelievable. I mean, I don't think any – I've never seen a player who played with more will and more effort and more um, just sheer, you know, will. I already said it, but it just – the guy wanted to gain yards more than I think anybody who has ever played, you know, that that it was captured on on film. Um, You know, I mentioned Ditka uh, having his uh, personality – uh, issues. Uh, and, and, and I think, unfortunately, that's a, that's a footnote that, that, um, you know, is, is, is kind of annoying about Walter is that, you know, perhaps Ditka didn't like, you know, being in the shadow of Walter Payton and, and, you know, I mean, people say, and I don't know if this is true or not, but, but that, you know, that Ditka was instrumental in making sure that Walter didn't score in the, in the touch in the Super Bowl, um, which I think is still a shame, um, to this day. And then you've mentioned as we've gone through this podcast that if he had played with the, the offensive line that he played with later in his career, you know, from 75 on, he would be untouchable uh, in terms of his statistics. Um, but, you know, it, it, every this is a most people's favorite bear and, you know, absolutely fitting to be number one.
1: When we get into the season, We'll talk about some historical snippets, and one of the snippets we'll talk about is his his game in 1977. He had back-to-back games where he rushed for more than 400 yards. He had 192, I believe, against Kansas City in 77, and then the following week, another home game. He had the flu before the game and ended up with 275 yards rushing which at the time stood as the single-game record for yards gained rushing, eclipsing an O.J. Simpson record from a few years prior. Those two games back-to-back were, and I had the pleasure of being in attendance at both of those games, Uh, one game stands alone with this 275-yard game rushing, and the week prior probably the single greatest comeback game that I have ever been to in person. So uh, we'll talk about those as the season goes on and the weeks uh, leading up to, in the podcast leading up to, to the the historical time back in 1977 when those games took place. So that is it for our top 100. It took us two weeks to get through it, but well-deserved. Next week, we'll talk about some of the snubs that we think might have been on that list. So we're going to have you do a little homework, double A, on who you think should have been on this list, that, uh, that and I'll do the same. And it'll be fun. Before we go, I want to just touch base on the OTAs that are going on right now. Uh, the, one of the nice things that we're seeing and hearing out of camp is the progression that Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky has had in this offense, his understanding of the offense is far better than what it was at this time last year. Uh, He's commanding the huddle a lot better than he was at this time last year. They're, They're running and executing plays that they didn't run very often last year because they were too complicated. And of course, Matt Nagy's offense can be very complicated at times. So to hear that coming out of camp, I think bodes well for this team. Uh, Seeing what Montgomery is doing in camp bodes well for this team and seeing the leadership qualities that Khalil Mack is showing by being there for every single workout, even though he's the best in the business, he says, I'm here to get better. And that just, Trickles down to every other player on the roster. So if he's going to do it, damned if I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So imagine these defenders going, look at this guy. He's busting his ass to get better. They're going to be better as a team. So a lot of exciting news coming out of camp this week. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure going over this Bears 100. We'll talk about the snubs on next week's episode. So with that, Aaron, I'm going to let you close out the show.
0: Yeah, well, it's been awesome, um, you know, just just to learn, just to hear you talk about it uh, with your firsthand experience. And uh, I'm thankful that they made this list. Um, it's, it's given hopefully our listeners an opportunity to think about some players that they might not have otherwise Um, and, uh, there was, it was funny. I was, you know, talking about Nagurski and his legendary status. So I was just reading, um, that, uh, he, he operated a a service station, I guess, after his career and, uh, the, The legend was that he had so many repeat customers because he would tighten the gas caps so tight that nobody else could loosen them. Um, So it's just another one of these, you know, legends of uh, of of Bears players. Um, And that's what's so cool about being a Bears fan is what other type of team could you root for that you get these stories um of of these guys and uh, you know these not only great players but great men, um, you know, that we can all uh, remember and look up to um you know, and and I was thinking you know with Memorial Day just passing, you know it's you know let's let's think about the World War II and let's remember that these these guys that fought in World War II they're they're unfortunately not a lot of them around anymore and uh, I would just like to encourage everybody to, to seek them out and hear their stories and if you can to document their stories um because as we're going through this list we see so many uh guys who did fight in world war ii and and uh you know certainly that's known as the greatest generation uh my grandfather uh, was over in world war ii and um you know so it's just a, a good reminder to um you know, learn about history. You know, don't just don't just focus on today and, and fantasy football, but learn about the the who paved the way. Um, and and if you're a fan of the Bears, you have uh, one of the richest histories that you could possibly study. Uh, so you know, hopefully this inspires people to ju- to do just that. And um, you know, maybe we see uh, a few more. Uh, Nagurski jerseys out there, um, a, a, instead of uh, you know some of these weird, uh, you know, flashing the pan type of guys that we see uh, 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 players uh, fans buy jerseys <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, another great episode. Thanks so much. Um, another episode of Haltech Call, of course, uh, brought to us by TixBlitz. Blitz, uh, TixBlitz.com. Uh, you can use the promo code Tailgate to get five percent off your order. Uh, and, um, that's it. Thanks very much.